My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. Welcome to episode 309, where today we're going to talk about three reasons that homemaking still matters in the empty nest. I don't know if that sounds like good news to you or not, but actually it's a sacred thing that we still get to do. Okay, so homemaking in the empty nest. I think that part of my dreams when my kids were little, that some of this mountain of work that I was doing would just go away and I wouldn't still have to do it. I used to call my laundry Mount Garment because it was absolutely impossible to ever get to the place that it could get done. I mean, if I did laundry for all nine of us over a couple of days, it would it would mount all over the sofa. And um, it was a deal. You know, and I would, I would always every day fall into bed knowing that I'd worked very, very hard, but I never felt like I completed all the tasks that were necessary for my family. And I don't really miss that reality of the, of the big family, although I do miss my big family being around, but I realized something. I was not done with homemaking, even though it was just two of us still in the home. Because you know why? I want my kids to have a safe haven to come back home to. A friend told me about a book called Keeping Place, Reflections on the Meaning of Home. The author is Jen Pollock-Michael. And I will have a link to that in the um, either in the show notes or in the blog post that goes with this, with this podcast. And she makes the argument, which I just loved, that the first homemaker was God. He created a home for his creation. From the animals to the people, he gives all of this beauty and, and detail that he places there. Work wasn't part of the fall. There was work before the fall ever, ever occurred. That was the struggle of work happened after the fall. But he created, he formed, he established. I mean, think about all the colors that flowed from his brush. Just, have you ever been snorkeling with tropical fish? It's amazing. Think about all the textures on earth. Think about the rough and the sharp and the soft and the silky. All the things that he made and the scents from floral to musk, the songs from the stars to the crickets. It's just amazing the home that God made. And then he placed us within it to produce family. And we are formed in the, in the creator's image. And so I also want to nurture beauty and I want to have comfort that I can welcome family into. And I haven't aged out of that call and even that desire, even as I admit that my energy for it wanes, but it's still there. And, you know, these days, I don't know that homemaker is really that big of a deal. It's sort of out of fashion, unless like you were 
um, a former ballerina and you have a farm and some people know what I'm talking about, or you make your own cheese or you, there is a bit of a call back to the ancient ways. But I think the principles of homemaking don't require a farm or a cow and you don't even have to grind your, your own wheat. It is about place. Um, if you are struggling, wanting to figure out how to be a homemaker, I heartily recommend my friends, Allison Weeks. She has a beautiful podcast called The Art of Home. And I interviewed her on episode 45 and talking about homemaking in the empty nest. And I'll put a link up for that. And she interviewed me on what it was like for me as a homemaker through those years. And I will also link to that podcast. But she interviews moms. And and you can just listen to moms and what they did as homemaking. And that will help you if you are currently homemaking with small children. It's very encouraging. Because homemaking is its own deal. You know, it is like a job, but it's not a career. There's no 401k. There's no retirement. We don't have Homemakers United that demand equal pay for equal work. I don't know of another job that the work goes more unnoticed unless it's undone than homemaking. I mean, you know, you just work and work and work and work. Everybody comes in and they go, oh, it looks like it's supposed to. Um, If you didn't do it, though, Everybody would wonder what had happened. Um, There's no raises. There's no rewards. You know, this is it. Um, But that doesn't diminish the value of it. In fact, it increases the sacred duty, I believe. But I will fully admit that while I believe it is a sacred duty, even now, after all these years, I can still find myself balking at the unfairness. You know, maybe I should just go work in the corporate world and I could get accolades and somebody could give me a raise and I would be gone all day. And so I could just uh, make money and pick up food on the way home and not have to do all this. I could hire somebody to clean my house. Maybe I'd be appreciated more. But who else gave up all that he had in order to give himself for others? Who gave up his rightful place to attend to our needs and heal our hearts? And I'm not saying that moms are Jesus in their home, but we are a picture of that kind of service. And he is definitely our role model. model. And he did set a very high bar. He didn't demand rights. He didn't demand his turn. He looked to the good of others, the good of me, the good of you. And then he acted out of that. So remaining a homemaker amongst all my other jobs of the empty nest, affords me a place to still follow Jesus and to still lay down my life every day. And it's a privilege to keep creating this safe haven for my family. And so I want to give you three specific reasons that homemaking matters in the empty nest. And I fully believe this. Number one, it provides adult kids a solid foundation and a safe spot to come. You know, it's the foundations that support buildings. If you don't have a good foundation, you're going to have a building that falls apart. And home can be that sturdy rock for our kids' lives. You know, as they age and they create their own homes, having that base of support helps them as they construct their own foundation. When they are making sure someday that their own children have a safe place to land, then that our legacy that we started continues. It's, it's a really, you know, we want them to have that security no matter how old they get. Last year, our family 
you know, did a big physical change of home base. Um, we'd lived in the same home for 18 years, and that represented the foundation to our kids, and it was hard to change. And I was really worried about moving and about losing that sense of this is home for them. But here's what I learned. The security of home we provide isn't actually the location. Our kids will not become unmourned because we have moved locations because home is more than a physical place. It is a person and he never changes. We make our home in Jesus and then we reflect that in our physical place that we live and yes, home is a place. And when we moved, there were tears and there were there was sorrow. And uh, there are a few kids that still get tears about our moving. Um, but I found that we could still provide a foundation in our downsized version, not just for my husband and I, but for our kids and grandkids. And sometimes that means moving all the furniture to the very edges of the room so we have room to all sit around on the floor. But it works and we can still provide a place of warmth and welcome. And I wanted echoes of our childhood home. I didn't like ditch all my old worn out furniture and buy all new furniture for this stage because I just didn't want it to look totally different. I wanted it to be the same thing, the same leather sofa they'd been sitting on for all those years. I wanted it to feel the place to belong. And I wanted to create spots of joy for my grandchildren. And I don't want furniture that they can't climb on. Um, it means I will always have spots on my carpet and I, I will never own a white sofa but I prefer cleaning up messes than shooing them out of the living room. I just would rather them climb up. And if they have muddy shoes, I might cringe a little because it is work, but I can get it off the sofa when I need to. But I would rather them feel welcomed. And I have to look at how making a sacred work, honestly, in order for that to happen. And I never age out of that um, because our home requires maintenance right? The older foundation, the more likely the repairs are needed, like in our bodies. But, you know, the older I get, the more care I need to give my body. And the older our foundation of home gets, the more we need to care. We need to make sure that we are keeping it a safe place. That's why um, in the next episode, I'm going to talk about emptiness marriages, and I get really down and dirty there. But it's important to maintain that safe place. Homemaking maintains stability and it keeps my arms open to our adult kids and our grandkids to support them as they build their own foundations, which will someday hold its arms open to its returning family. Isn't that a beautiful generational vision? Okay, so that was the first one. We want to provide our adult kids a solid foundation for them to build their own foundation. The second is that we still need to have a place of hospitality. Making a home means we now have a place for hospitality, not only for our kids, but for others. And I'm not talking about elaborate dinner parties, although I've been known to really enjoy decorating a table, but I'm talking about a meal that's just gathered around. Maybe it's the dining room table. Maybe it's balancing plates on your lap in the living room. Maybe it's just a cup of, of tea or coffee with a friend. But inviting people into our empty nest is a beautiful way to continue family love. You know, not everybody has a foundation to stand on. They don't have a port in the storm to sail their ship into. You know, look around your neighborhood and your church or at work. And who needs a spot at your table? Are there young couples that are, they're trying to follow Jesus, but they just, they don't really have great examples in their lives. They might need you to invite them in. 
Maybe there's single women or single men who are lonely and tired. Would they be blessed to be invited over to be wanted? It can be a group of people. Um, the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield is um, paradigm shifting in this area. And I highly recommend that. You know, honestly, I have to tell you that I, I've been like reading Rosaria's book and um, and even the other book um, it, is that on home is that um, I really kind of figured out we hadn't been doing a very good job of hospitality as we began to have young men, young women coming over, you know, the whole dating whatever scenario created a lot of coming and going. And it was all kind of happening at the same time. And so we were always having people over, but it was usually um, somebody who was dating somebody else. And then it was our married kids coming back with their grandkids. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, right, to have all your family around. But I am so impressed that I have a responsibility to take the love and foundation that, that we provide for our family and our kids. And I always want to have space for that. But we need to be reaching out to other people. There's ministry there. And honestly, we miss out when we don't have people. Uh, There's rich joy around the table. I mean, the best conversations we have had are long after the meal is over and we're still sitting around. We never seem to move over to the living room, to the soft chairs or sitting on these hardwood chairs, but we're just talking about life and we're learning from each other's stories. And that is the beauty of hospitality. And now in days of such fractured families, people crave stability. We hear over and over with this mobile society, and then we went through COVID and all of the you know distancing we did with that, and then the social media where we have these weird, not real friendships that are on there, our busy schedules. Loneliness is at a height that it has never been before, where we have more communication than we've ever had. Why? Because we need to sit across from each other face to face and really talk. We weren't created for independence. We're created for community. And hospitality opens the door to community. As homemakers in an empty nest, we can build you know, I think of it like as a respite from the world, not only for our families, but for many others as well. Our homes in whatever form they currently are, whether you still have your big, large family home or you've downsized and you're in an apartment, you can still have a welcoming place for needy people. Think about all um, the young adults around you and, and how much they would just love to be loved on. Gather a bunch of them together. Provide them all with a great meal. What young student wouldn't love a home-cooked meal? We're not done with homemaking. Let's make our empty nest as welcoming and restorative and safe as we can. It's an opportunity and it's a ministry. Um, I'm going to put a link on my blog post as well for an episode where I interview Sue Donaldson, and she is the best for hospitality. If you feel like hospitality, I don't know where to start. Listen to the episode with Sue Donaldson and check out her website. She has great resources. Okay, so we have hospitality. We're providing a foundation. Third is is a very, very important thing, and that is a place of return. I've been working on my novel about the prodigal son for about a gazillion years. But um, one thing that that has afforded me is that the more and more I read through scripture, the more and more I see this story. You know, it's not a New Testament 
story. It's not, oh, it's the the new covenant that provides that. No, no, no. God's been the God of return from the beginning. And you can read, you can find the God of return in Genesis and in Exodus and Leviticus. You find it in all of the prophets. You find it in the history where God is continually calling back. And even when he gets to the final place of this long, long, long suffering of putting up with his people's sins and he punishes them, he tells them already the plan for coming back. And so our Lord is a God of return. And our kids might need to return. There and, and there's a couple of different ways this can look. One is that we've had places of hardship with our kids where they need to move back in. And so far, that's only been for kind of seasons as things have sorted out. But that's not always the case for some people. What if your child is an adult and now and maybe even has kids of their own and they need to move back in to stay? I'll be very honest. That would be hard. I like my quiet mornings. I love when my grandkids visit and we snuggle in the morning. And I make pancakes and hoo, 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 we read some books. But then they leave. And the next day I have a nice, long, quiet time again. My friend Kathy Ladansky has really challenged me in this. In episode 62 of my podcast, and again, I'll put up the link. I mean, there's so much great information listening to people's stories. And she tells her stories with a great deal of transparency. And she talks about the struggle of giving up her rights as an as a ch- adult child returned to the nest and how what the Lord taught her. And I have thought of her words over and over again. So I really encourage you, if you are facing an adult child coming back and you're feeling your toes stepped on and you're feeling like that's not fair, please listen to that episode and listen to her. So we are we can be a place of return also for those who have turned away from the Lord. You know, if our kids have walked away from Jesus and now they want to come back, they could be messy and full of issues and problems that are going to be hard. But we need to be that place of return. What if our kids experience a marriage failure or a job loss or a disease or some earthquake that just shatters their home, whatever it looks like? Don't we want to be a solid place for them to return to? You know, homemaking matters in our empty nest years. And when I think also of, of why we're building this home, a place that our kids can have a solid foundation, a place for hospitality, a place for our kids to return, and maybe even a place for other kids to return. Maybe they can't return to their families. Their, their family doesn't hold its arms open, but maybe we can be a place where, that holds its arms open to those who want to come back to the Lord, that we can open our arms and say, yes, see, I have this home here. Come on in. Let's have dinner. It's just spaghetti sauce out of a jar, but I will love on you. You know, that's why our emptiness homemaking matters. And I want to shout that from the rooftop. Families are dissolving. Genders are being redefined. And living as a a believer in this world grows more difficult every day. That's why our homemaking matters more than ever, because we can be this safe place in a stormy world. We can be a beacon like the lighthouse. We can be a warm hot hug and a, and a nice hot cup of coffee. We can be the one solid, reliable place for our kids, for our grandkids, and for anyone else the Lord brings into our lives when they can't find anywhere else to stand. 
your home matters. Keep making it a refuge and a small reflection of the eternal home we all long for. Oh, Jesus, we give our homes to you. Home is your idea. Family is your idea. Give us a vision that we never stop inviting others in, that we never stop creating a warm place that reflects your love in some way. We ask that in the name above all names, Jesus. Amen.